Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Uncaped Heroes. We are so honored that you've taken this time to just hang out with us today and listen to this valuable information that we get to share, the beautiful stories that we get to hear, and the wisdom that we get to share from around the world. I am Stacy Johnston, and I'm here with my co-host, Cassie Holland. How are you this morning? I am doing fabulous. I'm happy to be here and excited about our conversation. How are you? I am well. I'm also looking forward to this conversation. I get so much, uh, I I don't know what the word is, excitement, motivation, energy, hope from the people that we get to talk to and the stories that they share and the knowledge that comes to us from around the world. So, Cass, as we dive into this, tell me what's one of your things that you enjoy the most about this process? Um, I think I say it over and over again, but the uniqueness that we are uncovering around the world, the difference, you know, everybody, there's these, you know, there's these set professions and these set fields, and then there's a whole other scope of people that do these incredible things, and they're all, I don't want to say hidden, but kind of. I mean, I didn't know about it. It's not mainstream, but all the stuff these people do are, is so cool. So it's really been interesting to me to see all of the different things that people do. I love it. I I love the space that's being provided for people right now, you know, to to just get better. It seems that so many people are are seeking permission for so many things, and there are so many people that are just offering space for you to come be in that space or get better in that space or learn in that space. So I really appreciate that. I'm also very excited about the guest we have with us today. Um, Mm -hmm. You and I both had a very brief moment to have a conversation with her, and I cannot wait for this to unfold and for us to hear the the wisdom that's coming to us from this beautiful lady. So without further ado, if you're ready, Cassie, I would love to bring in Jeff Spinasso. How are you this morning? Yes. Hello. I'm wonderful. So happy to be here. We are so glad to have you. Such a beautiful day. So, Jeff, how about you kick us off? Let's get started. Tell us. Who are you? What do you do? Why do you do that? And how can we connect with what you do? Um, Okay, great. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I've been in business for the last uh, 15 years as of this last uh, May, and I am a Brave Life Catalyst and a self-rescue coach, author, and speaker for high-reaching, worn-out working Wonder Women, which there are quite a few of those in this day and age. Um, and so I'm up to big things. I have a really big purpose in life. Um, you know, I went through burnout when I was younger and we can talk about that in a little while, but, um, I went through some burnout and breakdown, proverbial midlife crisis in my early thirties. And it basically was a turning point for me. And I wanted to start working with women who were going through what I went through then and teach them how to rescue themselves. Because I think so often, um, We have been traditionally, um, even patriarchally, sort of put in a position of codependency, and there's a lot of um, sort of genetic trauma around that, and it's still playing itself out in this day and age. And so just teaching women how to empower themselves uh, up and out of whatever codependent situations they're in and any kind of self-sacrifice that they're perhaps engaging in in order just to survive um, in their life and in their families and, and even in their profession, um, that's something that I'm really passionate about. So that's a little bit about who I am. Up front. I love it. 
I love it. So when you do services, I hear you you're talking really about women that are getting burnout. Do you ever encounter or work with men as well, or do you just primarily work with women? You know, I actually do work with men. Um, I don't attract as many men as I used to, but I still get a fair amount of referrals from people. And when I first started my business, I wasn't just working with women. I was working with both men and women. And, um, you know, men go through burnout too. So, you know, they're, they're just going through it for slightly different reasons. You know, they want to be the providers for their family and their women are wanting to, if they're in a heterosexual relationship, their women are wanting to be able to provide as well and nurture and take care of. And so there's like this, you know, sort of an imbalance that's been created since we've entered the workforce um, between men and women. And I think both sexes are really trying to figure out what is equality in a heterosexual relationship. And even in you know, same-sex relationships, you still have to navigate your way through and figure out who's in charge of this, who's in charge of that, uh, what does equality and fairness look like in your relationship. And so um, when there's not fairness and equality in a relationship, what can happen is that can lead to either the, the man or the woman having more responsibility than, than their mate. Or if, you know, you're a single mom or a single dad, there's no one to turn to and reach out and ask for support. So that can lead to burnout too. So yeah, I have worked with both men and women, quite a few actually over the years. But over the last five years, I've decided to start really focusing on women because mm-hmm. I've seen a huge increase in the amount of burnout that women are experiencing over the years. In fact, it just got um, added to the World Health Organization's uh, manual for diagnosable diseases back in May of 2019, which really wasn't very long ago. And, you know, burnout's been going on since the 80s, easily, um, if not before then. And so I'm really happy to see that it's actually being seen as a diagnosable, uh, quote-unquote, disease. Uh, but we still have a lot of we still have a lot of work to do to get it to the point where we can actually mitigate it and make sure that it's not happening so consistently. So, right. Yeah. So, just what do you think is people's biggest barrier to stepping in and admitting that hey, burnout is my problem, or I, I need to get better from that? Where do you think the biggest barrier is to reaching that place where you are, where you bring them hope again? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I would say that just not knowing what burnout actually is is probably a huge barrier. Like when I was going through burnout in my my late 20s, I didn't know what I didn't know. I just thought I was doing it all wrong. You know what I mean? I was like, why am I in pain all the time? Why am I stressed off and stressed out and, you know, upset and angry all the time? Um, I didn't know then that those emotional and physical pain symptoms that I was experiencing were the beginning stages of burnout. And because I didn't know that, I didn't really address it early on. And of course, you know, I'm hoping it's going to go away. Well, if you are dealing with that kind of stuff for long periods of time and you aren't actually getting to the root cause of what's causing it, then it actually can start to turn into physical and emotional dis-ease, breakdown, and degradation, um, and so it's, and then and that's what happened to me. It was almost like it, it had to take me out before it woke me up enough to go, oh, I need to do something about this. I need help. I can't continue doing this all by myself. So that's when I really reached out and started asking for help. So I think mm-hmm. just not knowing what burnout actually is is a big part of it. Um, and a big part of that is because of social programming and conditioning. You know, we... 
we have certain roles that we play in our families and in society, and so we're doing what we think is right until it stops working. <laughs> if that right. Makes sense. It does. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. It does. It does. Well, Jeff, I just right want to say it. thank you. Go ahead, Kath. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. I was going to say that was going to be my next question is, how do you even know? How do you know? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, there's different stages of burnout. So beginning stages of burnout, and this is pretty common through, I mean, like, let's face it, we're all human, right? We all have stress in our life, right? But stress, chronic stress, you feel like you're stressed out, overwhelmed, or exhausted on a regular, consistent basis, that would be, like, the top level of, of burnout that's starting to be um, an issue for you, especially if you're dealing with it chronically. If it's happening, you know, once every so often, not a big deal. But if you're starting to feel that way on a regular, consistent basis, um, you know, your body is a barometer for your soul. And so that is an indicator to go, oh, I need to pay attention to this stress, to this overwhelm, to this um, exhaustion that I'm feeling, and figure out what I can do to mitigate those those issues. I call them energy drains, right? Because stress is an energy drain, overwhelm, all those things are energy drains. So if you're not taking actions to mitigate those energy drains and figure out why that stress, overwhelm, and exhaustion is actually manifesting itself, then what happens is over time, if that goes unaddressed, it'll start to turn into more degraded symptoms of burnout. And this is where you might start to have some cognitive degradation where you're having a hard time focusing your attention, you get distracted easily, you can't stay focused. Um, that's a big indicator that it's starting to go downhill. Also, um, you are starting to feel feelings of sadness and maybe even some anxiety, so beginning stages of emotional degradation, and that's leading you to want to withdraw from participation in being social and that kind of thing because it actually, even if it's something that's fun and you're enjoying, you find that it's something that's draining you because you're already running on empty and you've been running on empty for so long. So those are sort of like the mid-stages. And then, again, if that's not getting addressed, um, and I would say, you know, for example, single parents would be, these would be the kind of people who would probably not be able to address these things early on so they're doing everything they can to address things. Over time, they start to experience now physical degradation in their body where maybe they're dealing with, you know, adrenal dysfunction or thyroid dysfunction. Organs are starting to break down and not uh, function properly, and they're contributing to autoimmune issues, or you're starting to deal with physical pain in the body. This is how it started to manifest and present for myself. I was dealing with chronic back pain so bad that I was um, almost considering surgery for it. Um, in my in my early 30s, and uh, also anger management issues, and, and especially if the sadness that you're feeling early on starts to turn into depression and you just can't seem to shake those feelings, um, uh, that would be another indication that now we're really starting to get into those deeper stages of burnout. So when it starts to manifest and present itself at the physical level, um, that's a big that's a big indicator that you are well into the throes of deep-seated burnout. And that's when it can actually lead to breakdown where that burnout will actually take you out and force you to stop and take stock of what's going on and actually do something about it. And, you know, there are a lot of people who wait until that point, like I did. I waited until that point and 
And that's what I would contribute to what my, when I say I had a proverbial midlife crisis, it was like my dark night of the soul where my relation, I had relationships, like a friendship that was crumbling. My relationship with my ex-husband was crumbling. I was in physical pain all the time. I was pissed off and angry all the time. I was probably dealing with depression on top of it all. Um, And so it wasn't until it started to affect things at work and I was actually being uh, given feedback at work that uh, I needed to work on my emotional outbursts because I'd get really frustrated and upset with, with you know, people at work sometimes um, where I was like, oh, wow, I really need to take a look at this and start doing something about it. So, yeah, so those are the stages. Those are the stages. So a lot of people are experiencing those high-level stages, and they don't even know that that's the beginning stages of burnout. But if you are experiencing those high stages, like the chronic overwhelm, stress and exhaustion that is your body's way of saying uh you better take a look at this sooner rather than later and figure out what's really going on get to the root of Mm. it what wonderful information just phenomenal information i would imagine that there are so many people that are going to hear this today that go oh my gosh that's me yeah what i've been doing yeah right and so again thank you for just opening up that space and giving people permission to go hey it's okay to feel that way because i felt that way yeah. And, and I got better. And I just feel like mm-hmm. it's so necessary right now is that permission. You know, we almost like we have to have permission mm-hmm. to speak out, to have an opinion, to step forward. And so everybody is seeking that. And so thank you for just putting it out there for people and just, you know, to provide that. So to go, hey, you can come over here and get better from that. Right? Yeah. It's just, I think that is so beautifully valuable. I really do. Yeah. So, Jess, let's look at your journey. You were okay. born this beautiful young lady one day, this pretty little girl that had dreams and hopes, and now you stand as this amazing woman of hope and light for so many people. In that journey for you, Jess, who can you identify as somebody that came alongside you, someone that you would give the title of hero to, and why would you give them that title? Oh, my gosh. When you asked me to, to think about that question, I was like, I don't even – I don't even really know who in particular to pick. Um, my, first, my first inclination actually is me to say that I am my own hero. And the reason why I say me is because, um, you know, I was raised by a single father. So, I mean, he did his best to raise me the best that he knew how, but he, he, he wasn't, he was an introvert. He didn't have, um, you know, he wasn't necessarily a master at being a parent. (laughs) Uh, He did the best that he could. And I love, love, love him. And I will always, always love him and remember him with fondness. He's no longer with me, but he wasn't there for me to teach me how to not bend over backwards and sacrifice myself. And it's not his fault necessarily. And my mom wasn't there either. So I really didn't have any early mentors. And so it was like coming into my thirties, You know, I was climbing that corporate ladder and I was feeling, I literally felt like my own hero in those beginning, beginning days in my twenties because I had pulled myself out of the, the rough childhood that I had experienced. You know, I was, I grew up in a really small town, um, raised in, in somewhat poverty conditions for the first, you know, five, six years of my life. And so there was a lot of lack and scarcity that I was operating from and in my 20s, I was climbing up the corporate ladder and I was making my way up in the world and I was making really good money and I was really proud of myself for all of that. So I felt really 
confident and proud of all that I had accomplished. Now, when I started to, of course, while I was climbing the corporate ladder, I was also going to school full-time, which is another reason why I started going into burnout was because I was literally, you know, spending probably 60 hours of my week either working or doing schoolwork. Um, and so I was, I was working hard to be successful, right? And in that hard work mentality, that, that's what led me into my burnout and my breakdown and proverbial midlife crisis in my 30s. And I remember the day where I was sitting, I was actually sitting on the floor um, crying because one of my friendships had sort of started to fall apart and crumble because I, I had been really negative and she, she no longer wanted to, she didn't want to talk to me about it. She didn't want to work through it. And, um, and so I lost a friend because I had been in a really negative space, which wasn't really about her at all. It was about me being in my own energy and just being unhappy and not feeling, you know, comfortable in my own body and that kind of thing. But I remember sitting on the floor in front of my ex-husband, um, who was then my husband, and saying to him as I was crying and, and just so sad about the loss of this friendship, I was like, I knew that I had been given feedback many times that I was coming from a very negative place and that I needed to do this work. And, and I told him, I said, you know, I don't know what it's going to take. I don't care what it's going to take, but I swear to you from this moment forward that I'm going to take back control of my life once and for all. And I'm going to fix and correct what is causing these problems in my life. I, I, I swear right now that that's what's going to happen next and um it was the first time that i had ever sat down and actually proclaimed my power to anyone from that place of despair because that's really where i was coming from i was literally at the bottom of the barrel and that was at the beginning of october of 2005 and i kid you not i you know because i said i'm going to do whatever i can to heal take back control of my life. And within probably two to three weeks of me saying that, I was synchronistically paired up with a massage therapist who was a Reiki master and an intuitive. And she said to me just as she was working on me, I think that maybe the back pain that you're dealing with is actually more emotional than it is physical. Mm. And... That was the very first breadcrumb that came to me after I had proclaimed that I'm taking back my power that ultimately led me on the journey that I am, that I am on today to, like, I just thought there was something wrong with my back. I'm broken physically. <laughs> I didn't think there was emotional problems at the root of that. I had no idea about the mind-body connection. So when she said that, it blew me away. And then she also suggested that I read a book called The Journey, which is a book by Brandon Bays, a woman who ultimately ended up healing herself of a tumor, small tumor that was the size of a small basketball in her uterus. And she did it through this um, process work that she created, um, but it was something that she'd spontaneously taken herself through. So, as, so I buy the book and I'm reading it, and I realize, wow, this is, this is what I need to do next. And it was that process work that ultimately helped to heal my back. So when I saw how powerful that proclamation was in bringing me the healing that I was so desperately wanting and willing to commit to wholeheartedly, I realized that, um, that I'm a very powerful creator, right? We talk yeah. about law of attraction and that kind of thing. And I was Amen. starting to learn about law of attraction back then. And so, 
So if I can be really honest, I've had some really great mentors throughout the years, like Brene Brown. I love her. I think she's amazing. I love all of her stuff because it really resonates with the stuff that I didn't know back then. And I think it's things that we need to learn about. Um, Alison Armstrong's a relationship expert who taught me a lot. I had another mentor, Greg Morris, who was amazing in teaching me about, you know, physics and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, the, the person that I really feel is my hero is me. And I use in my business, um, when I first started my business, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I'm a self-rescue coach, author, and speaker, but my nickname is the self-care goddess. And the reason why I chose the self-care goddess is not because I think I'm a goddess, like God or anything like that, but it was actually she was the representation of my hero. I wanted to become the self-care goddess because I had so abandoned myself in my 20s for the sake of my career that I was like, all right, this is who I need to become. I need to become the self-care goddess. So when you asked me earlier who's your hero, that's where it comes from. (laughs) You know what, Justin, I love that. We've done 170-plus interviews, and we interviewed a gentleman the other day, and and one of the statements he made was, you know, before you can be somebody else's hero, you have to decide that to be your very own hero. And uh, out of 170-something interviews, you're the only one that has identified yourself as your hero, and I applaud that. I applaud that. Congratulations for coming to that place. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take that in a different direction. Um, so throughout your journey and, you know, your journey from corporate America to the self-care goddess and the, the transformation that you experienced, there's a gap. I mean, there's a huge gap between mm-hmm. the generation that is just coming up and the generation that is about to retire. Mm-hmm. So through your, through your journey and through your experiences, how do you feel like we can close that gap? That's a great question. You know, I think this is what I'm starting to realize. I think that because, you know, that older generation that you're talking about, um, they, they had parents if they weren't, in fact, dealing with them, this themselves, who were in, for example, heterosexual relationships, where it was a very traditional sort of upbringing where the father worked and provided and the mother stayed at home and took care of, nurtured, and provided for her kids at the home front. Um, And then women entered the workforce, right? And we wanted to be seen as equal, which is wonderful. We need that. We need to come and step into our power. But we were moving into a workplace environment that was, um, by nature, it's very masculine in nature, right? It's task-oriented, it's goal-oriented, it's action-oriented. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need masculine energy. All of us, men and women, need to have masculine energy in, their, in our lives in order, to, in order to accomplish things, to get stuff done, right? It's, we need that structure. We need that discipline. On the flip side of that, though, we also need the feminine energy of creativity and flow and collaboration, um, which oftentimes in a workplace environment, you see a lot more competition, that kind of thing. And so over the years, I've seen corporations and businesses start to become more collaborative and start to really honor women's role in the workplace and giving them more time off when it comes time to having children and that kind of a thing. But I still think that right now in this day and age with these newer generations, and one of the reasons why we're seeing a lot of these younger 
um, kids who are coming into the workforce choosing not to actually go into traditional type job roles and maybe choosing to work for themselves and have more freedom, flow, and flexibility is because the traditional workplace environment is set up still to this day in a very masculine energy way. And I, so when you talk about uh, how do we bridge that gap, I think one of the things that we need to do as a society is really take a look at figuring out how we can bring more of the feminine into the workplace. And I know, you know, from a feminine leadership perspective, that may sound um, like an interesting approach and how do, we, uh, how do we accomplish that, but really looking to foster creativity and collaboration and connectedness you know, this goes in alignment with what Brene Brown says, you know, fostering a workplace environment where there is daring leadership, where the leaders are actually willing to be open and authentic and vulnerable and real with their employees and interact with their employees and, and turn it into a team environment rather than a top-down, you better do what I say kind of a thing. Um, having it be more of a heart-centered, heart-centric environment to work and grow in, I think, is really, really critical for helping to shift things. So, you know, in the, in the workplace environment, that's important. But then in the home front, that's also important. And so in relationships, uh, in families, learning how to foster that attitude of communication and connectedness and teamwork and collaboration, um, that's, that's what's really going to bridge the gap. You know, a big reason why women feel more... Uh, at the mercy of burnout than men is because they're at home and at work. They're like, you know, there's an old Anjali perfume commercial from the 80s that said, I can bring home the bacon and I can fry it up in a pan. And it's this woman wearing a business suit and holding a pan in her hand. And it's like this idea that, that the woman has to be, she has to be able to take care of everything. She's the superwoman, the wonder woman in, in the family unit, at the workplace. And if she doesn't have all of her stuff together, um, everything's going to crumble. And there's this pressure on us that we can't ask for support. I've seen it time and time again with the women that I work with. Um, they have such discomfort with asking for the support they need, even though they're typically they're typically responsible for more of more unpaid labor around the home front than men. And this isn't in every situation, but if we were to go through and really look at that in every single relationship, who's handling more of the things on the home front, the unseen, unpaid labor, nine times out of ten, the woman's carrying a heavier load. Um, so figuring out how we can come into collaboration, teamwork, communication, and connection as a collective, both at the societal level and at the familial level, I think, is what's going to help to fix that. And I don't know that that's an overnight fix either. It's going to take a lot of education and awareness for people to start getting to that point in practice because we're not used to having those conversations, to be honest. That's what I love about this is that we can have the conversations. So just let's pull this in. At the risk of running out of time and and having to cut us short, I'd love to get all of our time in. Let me ask you one more question. Let's, Let's turn the table. And let's put you on the pedestal and recognize with the light that you shine and what you do, you are probably more people's hero than you recognize. And so own that and take that to heart and know that you are loved and cared for by probably more people than you can imagine. So as you take that place as the hero and you stand there with the world as your stage, Jeff, what's your one-line statement to the world? Of all the words there are out there, what's your one-liner to the world, friend? What does your T-shirt say? Be the change you wish to see in the world. 
I love it. Yeah, that's it. It's all about integrity. You know, when I, when I made that proclamation to my ex-husband that I am going to own my life from this moment forward, what that meant was I'm going to become the person that I want to be, number one, and also that I want to see in the world. Right. So What a beautiful statement. I, yeah, yeah. What a beautiful statement. That's Thank it. you for that. So just, yeah. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate your time today, your wisdom, your knowledge, and, again, the space that you provide for people to get better. I would like our audience to always remember that this program is brought to you by Enlighten Up and Guided by Grace. And if you know somebody that we need to talk to, if a story we need to hear, or someone you think needs to share their journey with us, please reach out to us at HeroBuilder2020 at gmail.com and share that with us so that we can bring them to light as well. I would like to end this with a final quote from everybody. So, Kathy, give us a minute, girl. What is your final statement you have for Jess today? For audience. I just hope, I took a whole bunch of notes, and I hope everybody else did as well, because I feel like the things that, and especially after hearing what you had to say, the things that we're not paying attention to are the things that we need to be focusing on the most. So it's the little things that lead to the big things. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that. Thank you for what you do, and it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to hear you guys. I can't think of a better way to close out this show, Justin, to give you the stage for 60 seconds. What would you like to leave our audience with? Oh, I just, you know, listen to your guys' bodies, you guys. Your body is a barometer for your soul. Listen to it. Pay attention to it. Nurture it. Love on it. Um, you know, you actually, believe it or not, are a priority. Put your, put your mask on first so that you can, when you're out there saving and serving the world the way that you are, you can do it from a full tank instead of an empty tank. That's, I think, the thing that I want to leave everyone with is just, just take care of you. Take care of you. It's very important. <laughs>